If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, this is Carla, and welcome to the 50th episode of There Might Be Cupcakes. Insert Kermit Flappy Arms here. Ah! I'm so excited. <laughs> I wish it had not taken this long to get to 50, but I understand the reason it did is my health, and that just is the way it is, as much as I hate that expression. If this is your first episode of There Might Be Cupcakes, welcome! Make yourself comfortable. Everyone's welcome here. Since this is the 50th episode, I think it's only fitting that I read the official podcast description in its honor. So, here it goes. Carla is... A book drunkard, a 40-something with psychology and counseling degrees, with postgraduate work in Greece, grief, loss, trauma, sex crimes, and forensic anthropology. A former freelance journalist and counselor who is never bored. A disabled introvert who sees connections everywhere, like John Nash, only much less mathy. A knitting fidget who loves horror movies with a skewed passion. Like one of her heroes, Harriet the Spy, she wants to learn everything and write it all down, more likely than not, in her bullet journal. Join her, and sometimes her friends, in her strange library as she INFJs everything from unused angles. It's going to get weird in the best way. Let's play! <laughs> For this special episode, I'm in course doing something extremely bookish. And also doing something very special that I haven't heard any other podcast do. I am myself answering the questions to the Proust questionnaire. Now, I'll explain, in case you don't read Vanity Fair or the website Brain Pickings, both of, both of which I recommend. Now, I want to explain why you've heard me slur my words a couple of times. I am in the midst of a really bad EDS flare-up, and part of that flare-up is my jaw joints are really swollen and painful. Uh, I'm recording anyway because I'm tired of waiting it out. Um, but occasionally I'm going to trip up on a word or slur. Uh, I apologize. I am doing my very best to enunciate. Um, but y'all know I'm disabled. So uh, you love me anyway. 
So I'm going to power through okay, and I'm going to do my very best to speak clearly and slowly. <laughs> okay. When the author Marcel Proust was a teenager in the 1880s, he was hanging out with Antoinette Farr, and I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's F-A-U-R-E, the daughter of the French president Félix Farr, which is a cool name. Uh, he, she asked Marcel to fill out some questions in her confession album. The equivalent, I'm pretty sure, to like the questions in the note passed at the beginning of the movie Sixteen Candles. You know, have you ever touched it? I don't know. If you said I don't know, why don't you know? You know, that note. Uh, or a much nicer version of a burn book, you know, from the movie Mean Girls. Anyway, Marcel kept a copy of his questions and answers, which were, was not discovered until after his death. Apparently, he pondered upon this experience and expanded upon it because there are two surviving sets of questions and answers, one from either 1885 or 1886 in an English Confessions albums, album with his answers in French, and the second one's dated either 1891 or 1882 from a French Confessions albums, and it's lacking questions from the first one, and it's got other ones added. Much later, the French TV host Bernard Pivot, <laughs> who inspired James Lipton's show Inside of the Actor's Studio, saw Proust's questions, well, actually Antoinette's questions, to be fair, as a great jumping-off point for negotiations. To quote the movie Clueless, and I use that line a lot, love it, for interviews. And that's how what has come to be known as the Proust Questionnaire broadly came to light. Vanity Fair magazine regularly asked several of the questions to celebrities on their back page of each issue. They've been doing so since 1993, so when I started grad school. I'm old. <laughs> They've compiled notable answers into a book entitled Vanity Fair's Proust Questionnaire, 101 Luminaries Ponder Love, Death, Happiness, and the Meaning of Life. The link to purchase it, and in doing so to support this podcast, is in the show notes. Two of these celebrities answered include, answers included in this book, Joan Didion and David Bowie, happened to be two of my favorite intellectuals, and I had fun comparing my answers to some of theirs. I'm going to share some of those comparisons in this podcast episode. Okay, here goes. The questions from the so-called Proust questionnaire and my responses. Question. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Being in a moment with a person or animal that I love and know that I can keep safe and that I know instinctively loves me and can and wants to keep me safe. That two-way street of perfect love and perfect trust. A similar idea, here and I go John Nashie again, is mentioned in many religions such as the Wiccan read of bind the ancient laws ye must in perfect love and perfect trust. And in the New Testament, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Perhaps I'm commingling joy and happiness because they're not the same thing, but that was the first thing that came to mind, so I'm going to leave it. David Bowie's response is one I will also heartily agree with. He answered with one word, reading. Question. What is your greatest fear? Choking. Not being able to breathe. This comes from, I'm pretty sure, 
being choked by my attacker, as I described in episode 34, this girl just had a bad date. But it also stems from the fact that I have obstructional sleep apnea. Due to the fact that my apnea is caused by physical malfunction, it can and does like to show its face when I'm awake, which is horrifying. Usually it happens when I'm under extreme anxiety or more rarely when my body thinks I may be choking, which is not cute. And it's really counterintuitive, I know. Here's an example. I cannot pretend to choke or my throat will actually close itself off and I will start choking. You know, in movies, when actors make choking noises, like when their character is coming out of a bad dream or they're being attacked, etc. If I make those noises, when whatever malfunctions in my airway will tell my brain, okay, there's a problem, shut her down. And suddenly my windpipe will be closed off. It made me feel edgy and nervous to type that out, and it's actually making me feel kind of edgy and nervous saying it right now. I feel a little bit like I can't breathe. Um, I haven't had my throat close off like that while I'm awake for a couple of years now, thanks to therapy and excellent daily medication. And I wear my CPAP ma machine religiously. I don't even lie down to read without putting it on for fear of getting comfortable and drowsy. Every single time this has happened to me, I've honestly thought I was going to die. It's that frightening. It always resolves itself. I know it's going to resolve itself. But still, if I have it my way, it's never going to happen again. So I read with my CPAP on. I'm not afraid. Now, David Bowie's response made me laugh. After all my deep seriousness and introspection, and I quote, converting kilometers to miles. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, David, me too. <laughs> Great googly moogly. All right, question. What is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Worrying. It's better. It is so much better. Thanks to therapy and medication. But still, worrying. Um, because I, I fully believe that worrying is praying for what you don't want to have happen. It's it's a really nasty habit. Um, like I said, it's so much better. Um, but still. Uh, question. What is the trait you most deplore in others? Passive-aggressive behavior. Passive-aggressive manipulation. Um, vague booking. Falls under that. Um, <sighs> talking about choking made me feel edgy. This ma Talking about this makes me feel edgy, frankly. Mm. Um, for that reason, I'm not going to elaborate. I mean, I just... Wow. Making my chest fall tight. Okay question uh, uh which living person do you most admire well i'll give you six because i can't ever just take one cookie or not make a list <laughs> and the reason for these in common are integrity creativity kindness and integrity of character and what i mean by that last one is that to me they seem to be the same person across situations given different audiences, stressors, privileges, etc. 
and I really strive to do the same thing. They are who they are and who they are and whom they strive to be is good people who create and give back to the world. Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, Stevie Nicks, Stephen King, Carol Burnett, and Brene Brown. And now that I've written this, I think I'd add a seventh one. Now that I've read that descriptor, uh, Ellen DeGeneres. Question. What is your greatest extravagance? Shoes. <laughs> it sounds so out of character for me to answer that, but I'll explain. It's always been shoes in my adulthood. Because whenever I've bought cheap shoes, I've really regretted it. I'm not a shoe hound. I actually own very few pairs. But when I do buy new shoes, I'm really choosy and I just go for it. My favorite shoes right now that I own are my Uggs and my Doc Martens. They are the most comfortable for my pain and they are the most durable I've owned. And they're so cute. I'm getting ready to buy my first new pair of Converse since high school. They're actually shipping right now. And I'm mad silly excited over it. I actually still own that first pair of Converse from high school. Uh, that's how picky I am about my shoes. And that's how careful I am with my shoes. And I'm getting a new pair of Converse. What? <laughs> Question. What is your current state of mind? This was typed up yesterday. So, right this second, I am tired, I'm a little woozy from my drugs, and I'm a little miffed with my body and with technology. This episode was not published two to three weeks ago as I desired. Okay, let me explain. Um, this flare-up is really bad. Um, I am on the kind of anti-inflammatories that they give you after surgery in the hospital. Um, that's how bad the flare up is. Um, my jaw is swollen and, um, I look in photographs like I've been beaten up. Um, it's really big. And when it's time to take my medicine, I have trouble talking. Um, I'm having trouble, uh, getting around the house. I'm really having trouble walking. Um, I look like a baby giraffe when I walk right now. That's how bad the flare-up is. Um, the, uh, and that's why I'm also doing my rare ums. I never do this, but, uh, um, <laughs> and the technology thing, that was a doozy. Within 36 hours, my iMac refused to boot and it still won't. <laughs> Ask me how unhappy I am about that. Uh, my MacBook, uh, MacBook, my MacBook uh, did the three beeps of doom upon a reboot, and it had its memory receded, but it's now doing it again. And my iPad keyboard died, so all of the ways that I'd podcast went to kaput. So my body died and my technology died. So it, it wasn't cute. Question. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? I took this very seriously and I actually went and looked at like lists of virtues. And my answer is beauty. 
question. On what occasion do you lie? I rarely lie. I I don't. I I take my word very seriously. When I do, if I do, I lie by omission. By withholding my opinion about others' behaviors or about situations. Uh, lying by keeping silent. I, I do that a lot. And that stems from being an introvert. Um, when I'm uncomfortable with someone's behavior or uncomfortable with the situation, I think I revert to that shy little kid that I used to be. And I... Re my introversion kicks in and my my inclination to be very polite and very kind kicks in the social lubricant kicks in and I shut up I keep quiet and sometimes that becomes lying so I lie by omission a lot. Uh, question. What do you most dislike about your appearance? I really dislike how when I'm experiencing a really intense EDS flare-up, my face will swell up, even if my face is not hurting. Uh, and I get a double chin. It doesn't matter what's hurting. My face goes, hold my beer, and I get a double chin. I also dislike my upper arms. Um, I'm sure they're very cute. I'm sure it's one of those things where they're very cute to other people. Um, I really do think it's one of those things they look fine to other people. And to me, they look like flappy wings. Flap, 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 flap. <laughs> Question. Which living person do you most despise? I, I, don't, I don't despise people. I don't allow energy like that into my life. I'm just too sick. I hurt 24-7. Um, and a parenthesis to that is people get pain medicine wrong. When I take pain medicine, it doesn't make the pain go away. I don't experience zero on the pain scale ever. It doesn't matter how strong the anti-inflammatory or the pain medicine is. You can give me uh, good old oxys. It'll take me down to a three. I always hurt. So, I, to allow myself to hate people, that's a dark place. I'd be in physical pain and seething. I can't. I, I, I can't do it. it. It's a, it's a deep, dark slope that I would start down and I, I wouldn't be able to come back from it. I simply cannot allow that energy in my life. But there is one person that I'm afraid of and does repel me in the classic sense of the word repel. And it's the man that sexually assaulted me and choked me. Question. What is the quality you most like in a man? Kindness. Question. What is the quality you most like in a woman? kindness. Okay, here's David Bowie's responses. What is the quality you most like in a man? The ability to return books. <laughs> what is the quality you most like in a woman? The ability to
burp on command. Insert guitar riff. <laughs> Holy mother. <laughs> oh, God. And no, I cannot burp on command. Kind of wish I would. I kind of wish I could. All right. Then explain my answers. When I say kindness, I mean this all-encompassing thing. Kindness cannot include manipulation or the self-aggrandizement, nor greed, nor any tendency to thrust the self before the other. Perhaps I'm stretching the word far beyond its ability to bear weight. But that's what I mean. Not just this tendency to hold doors for others or to send thank you notes. Okay. Question. Which words or phrases do you most ever use? Splendid. Awesome. Lovely. Splendiferous. And to my great chagrin, cool. Gotta work on that. Question. What or who is the greatest love of your life? I'm twisting this and I'm going to answer it in longevity rather than the typical inclination. So for the longest period of my life, books, I learned to read, as I've said in at least one other episode, spontaneously before the age of two. Books have always been my greatest and strongest and most loving companion. Along with that, my pets... I've always had dogs my entire life. When I came home from the hospital as a baby, our first dachshund baron looked at me, looked at mom, and went under my crib and laid down and sighed. Like, okay, I know what my job is. And from then on, I have had at least one dog as my constant companion. Right now, Arlo is right next to me behind my iPad behind the microphone and Ellie is on the floor and if I had attempted to kick them out so you didn't hear them breathing and sighing and hiccuping um there would have been a ruckus (laughs) I've always had a dog attached to my hip and my best friend uh we have been brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Best friends for almost 35 years. We met in 10th grade. Uh, I'm going to go off script here and tell the story of how we met. It has nothing to do with the question, but it's it's classic and it speaks to our friendship. Um, we were in World History Advanced Placement class. And Mr. Curtis, our teacher, who is my friend, actually, to this day, uh, Mr. Curtis took us to the library for a research paper for his class and Josh had caught my eye as an interesting person and it was the day after uh, 
some evangelist scandal. Some evangelist in our area. It was a televangelist. Had been caught in a scandal. It was a national televangelist. But we lived in North Carolina. Near PTL. Like PTL was literally down the road. Jim Baker. So anytime something happened to the televangelist. It might as well have been local news. Because it was huge where we were. And I got up to go into the stacks to get a book. And... I heard Josh asking some kids in our class. So the news was really vague on what the preacher did, what the televangelist did to get caught, what he did to get in trouble. And as introverted as I am, I kind of have this like inner saucy Mae Westness. You know, I got this inner cheekiness. And I paused by his table and I put one hand in front of him and I leaned in, kind of Mae Westy, and I said, he rented a hotel room and he paid a prostitute to watch him whack off. And then I walked off into the stacks. So imagine this 10th grader has never met me before. The other guys at the table have no idea who we, who I am. I think this was the first week of school. So it's the first week of high school. And that's how Josh met me. And I think Josh's response, I asked him about this a few months ago. And his response was, I got to know who that girl is. <laughs> and that is the beginning of a 35-year best friendship. I gotta look it up. I think it was Swaggart. I think it was Jimmy Swaggart. I gotta look up who it was. Because we owe him a great debt of gratitude for a wonderful <laughs> I am so weird, people. Is this why you listen to me? Because I'm so weird. God bless you. Okay. Um. When and where were you happiest? Reading. Talking to my best friend. I apologize if you can hear the phone ringing. I'm going to keep talking because my recording setup is really strange right now because of all the technological problems I'm having. Um, editing is not going to be cute for this episode, so I'm just going to keep on talking. <laughs> Reading. Talking to my best friend. Writing. Visiting Walden Pond. And visiting Louisa May Alcott's home. I have a story about that, too. Um, we went to Orchard House to see Louisa Malcott's home. And, um, I think I was, it was after grad school. I was in my twenties. I did not behave like it was in my twenties. I behaved like a five-year-old. We got out of the car and I was all calm and cool. Yes, we're going to go see Louisa Malcott's home. And it's going to be lovely, and it's going to be so intellectual, and I'm going to see Branson Alcott's little school, and it's just going to be lovely. And I got out of the car, and I burst into tears. And I'm standing there, next to the road, in the front yard, crying happy tears, going, Mommy, she lived here! Oh my God, Mommy, she lived here! And my mom's like, We're in the road, stop! Like, she lived her mommy? Yeah. Not proud of that, but... Yeah, it was one of the times I was my happiest. 
Oh, God, yeah. Um, question, which talent would you most like to have? Playing an instrument. Uh, I learned piano as a child and took piano lessons for several years. Uh, extremely rusty. Have not practiced in a very long time. Don't know if I could do it now. Uh, I would love to know how to play a string instrument, like the violin or the mandolin. Uh, I, I don't believe I could, though, because my, given the hypermobility of my fingers um, and the cognitive problem that I have with numbers, I, I, I really think that might interfere with reading and memorizing music now. Since I'm currently polishing up my high school and college French and I'm learning Spanish for the first time, uh, thanks to Duolingo, uh, Joan Didion's response to this question really interested me. Quote, I long to be fluent in languages other than English. I am resigned to the fact that this will not happen. A lot of things get in the way, not least a stubborn fear of losing my only real asset since childhood, the ability to put English sentences together. Question. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I, I don't think I'd change anything. This sum total that is Carla is, is meant to be me. Oh, I need improvement. I need big improvement. And I'm working on that every day as best I can. But that's different than changing something. Now, that sounds noble, and, and perhaps it is. And in my weaker moments, I would be rid of this damn inflammation-ridden double chin I mentioned. Oh, yeah, I would. John Didion's response. Quote, I'm afraid that one thing would just lead to another thing, making this a question only the truly greedy would try to answer. I found that last part kind of odd in a really interesting way. The truly greedy? It sounds like she's turning this question into three wishes and wishing for more wishes. Just, huh. Hmm. Question. Why do you consider your greatest achievement? Okay. When I worked for a website hosting company, Rain, the Rape and Sexual Assault Network, was attempting to start their anonymous online chat support rooms, and they were seeking donations in order to open website servers to start this service going. And I got the idea that there was no reason that my hosting service that I worked for couldn't do it. So I convinced my boss to uh, the owner of the hosting service to coordinate with the hosting manager of Rain. And I got him to promise free online hosting for their online chat support lines in perpetuity. And he did do so. I don't know if he kept his word to this day, but thanks to my cajoling, uh, Rain's online chat support went online 24-7, which was far more than they were trying to do at the time, uh, for free, way earlier than they had ever planned. And that is definitely one of my proudest achievements. Question. If you were to die or to come back as a person or thing, what would it be? Uh, uh, pampered dachshund. Uh, thanks to the many dachshunds that we have had, uh, that is a choice job. Yes, indeed. Question. Where would you most like to live? Uh, if I had the money, Scotland. The home of my people, Clan Stewart. I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I'm a direct descendant of King James. He is my seventh times great-grandfather through one of his mistresses. 
which means I'm, yes, related to the Tudors as well as the Stuarts. Or Canada, perhaps Vancouver. It seems lovely. It was really pretty on the X-Files. And there's all that splendid legal marijuana and all that nice health care, both of which I need bunches of. Yes, you've noticed I'm still using splendid and lovely way too much. Question. What is your most treasured possession? I have quilts made by my great-grandmother, and I have a blanket that I knitted from her leftover stash of yarn. I wear a ring given to me by my best friend and a ring given to me by my husband on our 10th anniversary. But my most treasured possession is probably this photo I have of me and my little brother, Eric. It's mounted on a 9 by 9 square, and it hangs on my wall. I'm looking at it right now. In it, we are both wearing our old-fashioned red flannel pajamas. Eric's had the back-end trap door, and mine had the ruffled lace on the nightcap. We're maybe about seven and five years old, I think. He looks really relatively happy and healthy. Uh, and you can tell we adored each other. That's not the only reason it's so special to me. It's also because it's been a staple in every home that I've lived in. I remember it on the tall, dark bookshelves of our orange 1970s living room and of the wall of my high school home and, and, and. It has always been with us and then with me. Question. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Disconnection from others and from oneself. Physical and spiritual loneliness. David Bowie's response. Living in fear. Joan Didion's. Misery is feeling estranged from people I love. Misery is also not working. The two seem to go together. Their answers combine nicely, and I agree with them. When I think about my worst days, when I'm too sick and in too much pain to get out of bed, to join the rest of the world, and therefore my loved ones, or to write, or to work on the podcast, when I can only lay still and listen to an audiobook or a podcast, or read, sometimes I can't even do that. That feeling is one of the lowest depths of misery. And it's interesting to me how their two separate answers jibe together so perfectly for me now. Five, maybe six years ago, I don't think I would have understood Bowie's response. I would have seen it as more existential of a response. I was working and I had symptoms, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. I was scared, yes, but I was living too much in the moment day to day to think about living in fear, quote unquote. The second half of Didion's response would not have resonated with me. I was so fatigued all the time, and I didn't yet know why. I would have found the idea of misery is not working bleakly funny. I was working so hard and trying so hard to get my counseling licensure, and I felt like I was on a hamster wheel. I didn't have the luxury to think about working or not working as something I loved or would be despondent about. I needed client hours and hours of sleep, both of which I was sorely lacking. Now the resonance of their descriptions of misery is deep and different. I live in an entirely different world. I'm miserable when I cannot write, when I cannot be with people, when I cannot be productive and think and be. Question. What is your favorite occupation that I've ever held? Podcaster slash writer. Question. What is your most marked characteristic? My very loud laugh.
Question. What do you most value in your friends? Honesty. That includes full disclosure. No vague booking, no passive-aggressive behavior. And if you need me, you tell me you need me. Attention, support, whatever, and you have it if I have it to give. Question. Who are your favorite writers? Joan Didion, Stephen King, Madeline Lingle, Barbara Kingsolver, Edgar Allan Poe, Mary Oliver, David Sedaris, Diana Wynne-Jones, Shirley Jackson, Clive Barker, F. Scott Fitzgerald, Joyce Carol Oates, Louisa May Alcott. Who is your question? Who is your hero of fiction? I made myself choose just one. Harriet the Spy. Question. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Before I give my answer, I love David Bowie's Santa Claus. I adore that. Now, here's mine. Two, of course. Both I found to be, as I mentioned, related to me long after I became fascinated with them and identified with them. Elizabeth I and Lady Jane Grey. Queen Elizabeth's life was shaped by grief and loss. Her entire life was shaped by exactly what was not there, her mother, the deceased Anne Boleyn. Her mother was executed when Elizabeth was three, and when Elizabeth died, she was wearing a locket-style ring with two miniature portraits inside, her own and Anne's. Her adult life and career was also changed irrevocably by illness. She contracted the pox and was visibly scarred. She was lucky to survive. She started wearing that shocking white face and hand makeup she was known for to cover the scars and in order to recommand her throne, to ward off the stairs and to be a presence of authority. The makeup was lead-based and so it slowly poisoned her, so her determination to keep working made her sicker. I took way beyond the recommended amounts of steroids to continue working, both orally and injected directly into joints, which is agony, by the way, to, quote, keep command of my throne, doing damage to my body and trying to fight fatigue and pain in order to reign. Lady Jane Grey was an intense introvert who did not fit in at court, not even in her household. She wanted to read and be tutored and to learn everything she could about everything like me and Harriet the Spy. She most certainly did not want to be front and center of anything and was not concerned with power plays or the games people play. But when decisions had to be made and she made them, people came for her head. I felt like that, poetically speaking, in the working world, trying to use my counseling degree to help people. I was always somehow caught in this web between doing what was right for my clients and pleasing my bosses slash pleasing corporate. Someone was always annoyed. Off with her head was the byword of the day. Y'all wanted me to be in charge. You gave me a title. Now let me make decisions. I was happy learning. But she knew in her heart when she was doing the right things, damn the rest, and I tried to live like that myself. And yes, Elizabeth Tudor is my first cousin nine times removed. Jane Grey is my second cousin eight times removed. Question. Who are your heroes in real life? Since I answered earlier with whom I admire among the living, I'll keep this list to people who have died. Robin Williams, Fred Rogers, Louisa May Alcott, Laura Ingalls Wilder, and Jim Henson. Again, authentic, kind, creative souls who shared all of the above and all that they had with all of us. Question. What are your favorite names? 
I can't have children thanks to the EDS. Uh, so I'll give you the names of the protagonists of my novels in progress, which I have read in episodes and will continue to read. Episodes are listed in the show notes. Bonnie, Charlie, Beatrice, and Gwendolyn. I like my name because it's an anagram of another name, and the anagram is my best friend's nickname for me, Carla and Clara. I also love how Beatrice is pronounced in Italian. It sounds like a different name, Beatrice. Question. What is it that you most dislike? Deliberate manipulation and anything at all that stems from hatefulness or selfishness. Question. What is your greatest regret? Not fully trusting myself and my potential as a human being when I was a teenager. Question. How would you like to die? At a time of my choosing, when I am prepared, with my loved ones surrounding me, and after having one last huge outstanding piece of key lime pie and some good sex. (laughs) Uh, Question. What is your motto? I can always strive in the next moment to be a version of my best self. Corollary to that. No matter what happens, I can choose to respond with love. If I had to choose a pithy motto, the type they used to embroider on handkerchiefs and family crests, I tried to look up the family motto for my maiden name Pettigrew, and I only got sight selling our crest with really blurred pictures of it. I guess I would choose that of my ninth grade aunt, Anne Boleyn, the most happy. Spelled as she spelled it, M-O-O-S-T-H-A-P-P-I, most happy. (laughs) Because that amuses me too, of course. I'm not always happy. As a matter of fact, I'm in physical pain, as I said, 24 hours a day. But what the most happy means to me is I focus on the light. My pets, my best friend, my husband, the good book I'm reading, and the many good books I want to read. This podcast and you listeners. The next 25 episodes, the next 50 episodes. My fuzzy worm sheets and scented candles that smell like cookies and cocoa. My friends and friends I have made through this podcast. Doctors that listen to me and my wheelchair that I'm lucky to have and my cane with flowers on it. David Bowie. Joan Didion. French confession notebooks. Marcel Proust. Making and finding cupcakes. Thank you for being here with me for 50 episodes. Thank you for supporting the podcast in all the little ways that you do. I'm revamping the Patreon tiers with help from Aaron, from Lore, and Unobscured Podcasts so that I can reward you for helping me better. You deserve it. I apologize for being unorganized in that regard. I get overwhelmed. Part of that's my disability. Part of that's my personality. And I apologize. And I am going to do better. I hope in these 50 episodes that I've turned you on to new authors, new books, new new movies, and helped you find and make cupcakes And for everyone that has told me I have, thank you so much. It means the world to me every time I hear that. I cannot express. There are cupcakes out there, I promise. Until 51, this is Carla. Never forget that you are loved because I love you. This is your cupcake for today. And you are not alone. Thank you.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.